it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Hello and welcome to Stromash, the Scottish NFL podcast. Our Super Bowl previews end here. As we've heard from others, now our attention turns to our own opinions. As we get our final say ahead of the big game. We'll be talking about the Chiefs, we'll be talking about the Niners, asking how each team can win, how each team can lose, and what we think the outcome will be. I'm joined by Ian Stephen as we look at the 49ers, but before that, Charles Patterson and Paul Mitchell sat down to look at all things Kansas City. So, Charles, we've got the joys of looking at the Chiefs. So the Chiefs, last time out, won 31-20, a 21-0 fourth quarter flurry that erased a 10.49ers lead. For over three quarters in the last Super Bowl between the two, San Francisco's number two ranked defense kept a lid on Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, but they overcome them in the end. So a couple of things I want to talk about. One is, and and you could argue this is a little bit, like Scotland might face in the Six Nations when they next have a lead, they are vulnerable to a lead. Do you believe that if Kansas City are behind in this one, they'll just think again about, well, we beat them from behind before, and if San Francisco take a lead into the fourth quarter, uh, they might just still get a little bit nervous knowing what happened four years ago? Um, I think regardless of the score, unless a team is up by three or four scores, I, I, I think you've got to be fearful because you're facing on paper the the other best team in the entire NFL. I mean, San Francisco were 24-7 down to Detroit and they came back to win. Now, Detroit are not um, Kansas City in as much. They're not battle-hardened. And I, I mean, I look at this idea that Kansas City are different to the team that won the Super Bowl against San Francisco four years ago. I don't think that there's a huge amount of difference. The one, the big, the big difference is they don't have Tyree Hill, yeah, and and that's and that has changed the way in which that whole offense operates. They've got a better running game than they had four years ago. They've got a more rounded game, and they've also got a better quarterback now. Mahomes is a better quarterback than he was four years ago. He's won two Super Bowls. He knows how to manage games. You could argue he is. I always say that Tom Brady was a game manager. He's actually a better game manager in many respects than Brady ever was because he's got more um, tools at his disposal, but he's also got that X factor, that ability to run and that just that, that wider ability to see the field. And I don't think, I don't think frankly, if San Francisco are 10, 15 points clear going into the fourth quarter, I don't think that's going to phase Mahomes or Andy Reid. I don't think it's going to phase San Francisco either because they've come back twice in the playoffs so whatever happens and whatever the score is leading into the final 15 minutes, I think the other team will look at that final quarter and think we can win this. But from the Chiefs' perspective, they have the advantage. They've been there. They've done it twice. They've got over the hurdle, the final hurdle, the biggest demand. San Francisco haven't done that. And that is the big, big advantage that Kansas City have got in this match. Yeah, it's interesting. We've been around sport a long time. People will tell you the first one's the hardest to win, without a doubt. The only difference then is that when you try and win your second one, sometimes you, you, you are a bit more relaxed. And that can either mean that can drive you forward because the, the fear of losing, knowing that you've already won the title, is there. 
that can make you more relaxed and more dangerous. Or again, conversely, might think, well, I've won it before. There's no, there's no big deal here. I think it's just it's it's an interesting Super Bowl, Charles. I, I'm going to say that. I think it's fair to say that since 2019, you could argue that the two teams have flipped, that San Francisco had the better defense last time and Kansas City had the better offense. And if you take Mahomes out of the equation, you could argue that this time the 49ers have got the better offense. They've certainly got more weapons where the Kansas City defense is perhaps a little bit better. So it's, it's, it's a very interesting Super Bowl from that point of view. Yeah, but and that's they have got more weapons on paper. But this is the the problem: the game isn't played on paper. And you mentioned if you take Mahomes out of the mix, Mahomes is the most important individual player, to my mind, in this Super Bowl, because he is the one that can generate the magic. Now, you know the the guys are going to talk about Brock Purdy. I have my own views on Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy has done very well to get San Francisco to this stage. He was picked last in the Super Bowl. For, in, he was picked last in the draft for a reason, because he was not rated as this era-defining talent, this guy who had the big arm or who could move in the pocket, who had the vision, who had the field awareness. He can operate in that system, but Mahomes is that super level above that when it comes to the big moments, who do you think is going to deliver here? It's going to be Patrick Mahomes. You pick him every day of the week. And that is that is the challenge that, that San Francisco have got. San Francisco are, in terms of the sum of their parts, they are greater, but they don't have the best player on the field. And we know in sport that the best player on the field can single-handedly win a game. It's very, very possible. So, I, I mean, I, I take your point. I think that the, the Chiefs' defence has, uh, over the last four years, it's gradually become a much more consistent unit they were good without being great four years ago they they couldn't stop Tom Brady the following year uh, but then the whole team collapsed in some regards and to be fair they couldn't really stop Philadelphia last year in the Super Bowl but they still produced a stop or two uh, when it mattered in order to allow you know Mahomes to make his magic and win the, and win them the ring but this you could see this defense potentially limiting San Francisco to 20 points, 24 points. And if you can score 24 points, that might be enough on Sunday. Um, I, I, and in terms of the offense, well, the offense has perhaps not been the same since Tyree Hill left, but they've made the plays when it happened. I, I sound like a cheerleader here <laughs> um, for, for Kansas City, but all the signs for me point to a team that's going to deliver on the big day. I think there, there's question marks, a couple of question marks about injuries, but all the signs del point to a team that knows how to do it and will do it on the big occasion. And I still am yet to be convinced by their opponents. A lot of people have asked me this week, Charles, a lot of people know that obviously I like American football. And we're at that stage of the season where even if you only have a passing interest, even in this country, you've got an idea that the Super Bowl is happening. And people say mm. to me, Who's going to win? And my answer is simple, the Chiefs. And they say, why? It's because they've got the best player at, at the most important position in sports. And I think anybody betting against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, I think is wrong. I mean, the 49ers can win this. Of course they can. They're a very talented team. But I think for me, if I had to put money on it, I would be 
you know, betting the house on on the Chiefs simply because they've got Patrick Mahomes. And I, I think when we say that they've got Patrick Mahomes, we don't need to go into the detail of they've got Andy Reid on the sidelines who appears reasonably unflappable. He seems to plan meticulously. There was a great segment on Pro Football Talk with Peter King who talked about he sat down in his office and Andy Reid showed him the journal that he wrote that he writes every single day. He says it's just a fascinating study of a man who's engrossed in his job, who loves his job, whose planning is quite incredible. I've got two things I want to talk to you about, though. Mm. One is, can San Francisco stop Pacheco? Now, the Lions racked up 148 yards and 21 carries against the 49ers. Now, that doesn't sound so bad, but that was in the first half of the game. I, I just don't think they can allow Pacheco to, to rush through them in that. And and this is the point that I'm trying to make. It's almost like, are the Chiefs going to outthink themselves? Do you use Pacheco until the 49ers stop him? Or do you use him as the decoy and try and be too clever. Where do you stand on that? Um, I think you use Pacheco as and when you need to. Um, they also have um, Jarrett McKinnon as well, who is a very underrated weapon in terms of third downs out the backfield. Um, I mean, they can run the ball, and they've proved that they can run the ball all season, and San Francisco's run defense has proved it's not as good as some people would like to think it is and certainly it was it was dealt quite a heavy blow in that first half against Detroit but I think if you're Kansas City what's your plan A? Your plan A is you go to Travis Kelsey because he's your second best player Um, they will do everything in their power to try and find Travis Kelsey and that's where the, for me the, the really interesting matchup is Kelsey and whoever, however they, they, they handle him because the pass defence you know Cameron talks about the fact that the cornerbacks aren't good, that the secondary is not good. If the secondary isn't good, and if I mean, if if they don't if they don't put somebody on him, if they don't put a safety on him, San Francisco, then they're essentially leaving the linebackers to cover him, and they've got the be- probably the best linebacking group in the NFL, San Francisco. You don't want to leave Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw on Travis Kelsey. I'm sorry, they are as good as they are. They don't want to do that. They've got to have a plan for him if he is fully fit. And if he is running like he did in the championship game against Baltimore, they put Kyle Hamilton, the Ravens, on on Kelsey. And even Kyle Hamilton couldn't stop Kelsey. So if you're Kansas City, you're going to him first. And I think if if they can take him out of the equation, San Francisco, then essentially you are creating a scenario where Mahomes has got to kind of either trust Pacheco or he's looking to... Okay, Rice, perhaps, who's been pretty good, but he's still a rookie. There's not many other options out after that. And it'll I can see potentially a scenario where Kelsey's targeted 15, 20 times. And you just move him all around, because Andy Reid's good enough to do that. They've got trick plays up their sleeves. And Pacheco, I think, will be the beneficiary of that, because eventually they'll start looking for where Kelsey is on the field. And then suddenly you've got Pacheco in a one-on-one situation. And whether that's out the backfield, passing or whether that's a run, you know, a counterplay. Um, I don't think that they're going to run straight into the heart of San Francisco because Green Bay proved and Detroit proved that you can run either going up the middle or these kind of off-cut runs, these off-counter runs. 
it, it really comes down to trying to take Nick Bosa out of the game if you're going to run the ball. And I, I don't think that that's going to be the, the, their number one priority at Kansas City. I think they've got to look at Kelsey. If you can, if you can keep feeding Kelsey the ball, you're going to score points. It's pretty simple yeah, for me. Yeah, I keep feeding the beast until they do something Absolutely. different. They've got to change it. And I think San Francisco's defence, I'm looking to see what they do differently because they arguably should have they should have conceded um, more points to Green Bay and they didn't. They conceded 31 points to Detroit. You concede 30 points to the Chiefs. I think you lose the game. I really do because I think that Chiefs defence is that good. Yeah, I mean, I think they should have conceded more points into the lines. I, I know people are still talking about the points that they left. Don't go there. You know, but, <laughs> but we, we've done all of that. Just then to flick it round, if you're then San Francisco, your attack, you've got a similar one-two punch. You've got Kittle at tight end who can do what Kelsey does, and you've got McCaffrey who can do the job of the running back. So if you're Kansas City, then you're looking at Chris Jones to lead your defense. I mean, he's an immense player. And I think for, for Kansas city to me, if he plays well, coupled with them being even average on offense, I think they'll be too strong. Yeah. I think, I think that's fair. Um, the, the McCaffrey, you know, it's a shame Gordon's not here. And the value of running backs, of course, you know, he he does flip a switch sometimes on that. But McCaffrey is an all-round player. There is there isn't really a player you can rate any higher than him in the in the league. They have got to do San Francisco with McCaffrey what I think the Chiefs will do with Kelsey. But they have more options and more variety with McCaffrey. The danger with that though is if it doesn't work, it's easy to get away from it. Um, Cameron talks about the X factor in San Francisco's offense being Debo Samuel and I'm curious to see what they do in terms of how they essentially keep him quiet um, the Chiefs and this is all going to come down to I don't think it's going to come down to man coverage I don't think it's going to come down to double covering any one, one particular player if you do that I think you're in trouble because we've seen that Ayuk can break a game open um, they've got even a guy like John Jennings is a decent receiver. He's like a third or fourth receiver. So they've got weapons all over the field, but the San Francisco's weakness in that regard is the is the weakness against the blitz. You've got to get Brock Purdy uncomfortable. And I think the Chiefs defense is more than capable of doing that. If they were able to do it to Lamar Jackson, then they can absolutely do it to a San Francisco offensive line, which isn't brilliant. And you're you're you know, Purdy, as much as he can move around a bit, he's not got a big arm. He has a tendency to throw it into traffic. So, I don't know. I think it's set up really nicely for the Chiefs' defense this game. I can't see... If you're talking about a unit that's going to malfunction out of the four offensive-defensive units, the one that I can see having a good game regardless is the Chiefs' defense. I can't see San Francisco ripping them to bits. Just based on no. what we've seen. Yeah, I, th I think that would be the un the unusual thing. The other parts of the game, we just you cannot tell. You, you, I mean, we could talk all night about the offense and the defense, but the kickers, both fairly reliable. The special teams have been great without being wonderful. It, it often comes down to, I mean, you, you talked about, um, you know, the receiver depth that San Francisco have. There's usually somebody that we don't expect 
will yeah. step up and play a big part. And what fascinates me is the work that's being done and probably almost completed right now is the game plans to bring in some of your lesser players. But when you do that, your quarterbacks have still got to have that confidence in these lesser players. Yeah. So it's one thing to drop the plays, Charles, and do it in practice. But if you look the guy in the eye and you think, if I'm going to give this to you, are you going to be able to deliver? They've got to have the confidence in the players, but they've also got to have confidence in the system. And yeah. Brock Purdy's got complete confidence in the system. He's been molded in that system. The thing for me, though, from a coaching perspective, is that Andy Reid has got that flexibility, that innate sense of being able to change, which I'm not sure Kyle Shanahan has got. I batter Shanahan on this podcast on a regular basis for a variety of reasons. <laughs> um, all completely justified, unlike what Gordon said last week. But what I would say is I don't think, I think when things go wrong with San Francisco, I don't think that they have a plan C, a plan D. Andy Reid's got all sorts. He's changed that offense already because, because of Hill's departure. They are a different team to what they were two, three years ago. Um, I, I don't, I don't see Kyle Shanahan. I mean, what Kyle Shanahan's managed to do is when they played badly, he's managed to get the team to play better. They've done the same thing and they've played better. And Brock Purdy is absolutely capable of producing a really good quarter of football if they're down. He's also capable of having a howler. And I can't see how Mahomes is going to have that. The, the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay was a bit of an anomaly because he lost both of his tackles and yeah. they, he was swamped the whole day. They've never been in that position since. And he is composed, he's calm. He has this sort of zen like in the pocket. Joe Tooney, I think, is probably going to miss the game. That is going to be a problem. And you can see potentially him coming under pressure as a result in the interior. But again, the, the, the unit that's got the most to prove in this, for me, is the, the San Francisco defence because they've not shown that they are potentially capable of stopping Mahomes. Now, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens on Sunday, but um, it we're talking like the, the Chiefs should be favourites here. They're two-point underdogs. And I'm trying to work out why that is. I can't figure out why that is. And just before we throw to talk about um, you, you know, the, the 49ers and more depth. I thought we'd just finish off this part by saying, mm. where on earth have San Francisco got this we're the underdog nonsense from? Mm. Well, I mean, if, if you're your social media channels and you're pushing this narrative that, I mean, I think they've been favoured in every game they've played it. I mean, it's just utter, utter nonsense. Well, Cameron's clearly feeding them lots of lies from across the channel. <laughs> Um, it's absolutely extraordinary. I think, you know what, who's the pressure on in this Super Bowl? Pressure's all on San Francisco. They haven't won it in nearly 30 years. Kyle Shanahan's blown two Super Bowls. One is an offensive coordinator, the other is a head coach. They came close four years ago. They've had a really good season, but they have to win it. They have to win it. They're built to win it now. This is his, he is the one who's under the pressure and the legacy. I, For his sake, I hope he can finally get over the hump. He concocts a masterful game plan. Maybe someone gets injured, you know, maybe something happens to the Chiefs, but he has got a huge amount of pressure. He's got to somehow outwit Andy Reid. But listen, the absolute X factor in this game, Paul, you and I know it. 
San Francisco are dealing with the weight of history and they're also dealing with millions and millions of Swifties who are going to be tuning into this game, all right, from around the globe. This is a pop culture moment and I know you love Taylor, all right? You've been denying it all year on the chat, on the pod, but the Taylor effect, if she turns up, that's worth a touchdown to Kansas City, isn't it? It is the. <laughs> I, I'm trying to be nice here. I, as I as I said in our chat, I think I'm the only one that's ever played a Taylor, Taylor Swift record on the radio, or a CD or whatever the hell I played. Um, I like Taylor Swift. I think she's a wonderful person. Not a great fan of her music, um, but this is where it catches. And I think we've got to accept the Super Bowl is for more than just for your American football fans. It is a cultural event as much as I is I hate that, that side of it. Um, and, and just before we hand over to Cameron, the thing that I'm most looking forward to is Jim Nance trying to convince himself that he knows who Usher is and that he bigs up the halftime show because he was utterly unconvincing last week. Well, I can't wait for a Tony Romoism the first time that the camera cuts to the executive suite. Excuse me. And Taylor's there. She's flown 8,900 kilometers from Tokyo. And what is going to come out of Tony Robo's mouth that he will then be wanting to retract? That's, you know, there's a, there's definitely a bingo call in that, I would say. Yeah, we, we might put that out on social media is what will Tony Romo say? All I'm <laughs> going to say? All I'm going to say is that if Taylor Swift wants to make sure she gets to the Super Bowl on time, don't fly British Airways. Charles, thanks for now. So that's the bet of the Chiefs out of the way. I'm now joined by Ian Stephen, and you've got the unenviable task of having to talk to me about the 49ers, Ian. So we've heard from the guys about where the Chiefs will win this, where they see areas of any concern. There's not a huge amount. Both, funnily enough, picked the Chiefs to win it, and then questioned how the Niners were calling themselves underdogs. I agree with that narrative. I'm going to get into that right away and say, I hate it. I hate any team using it. But um, yes, uh, interesting nonetheless. The Niners come into this as the bookies' favourites. I think it's down to a point now, so there really is nothing in it. Uh, And it's going to be an interesting game. But I want to get your views. Where did the Niners win and lose this? Is there such a thing as an overdog? If people talk about underdogs, there must be the opposite comparison, surely. I would, I would think so. Over what? Over, over egging themselves. And then it must mean those people that are just dogs that are completely neutral, like completely on the level. So, if it's expected to be a nil-nil draw, they just yeah, like play dogs. They're, they're dogs. <laughs> so it's like remember when Hearts and Hibs played in the nineties? It was always a nil-nil draw. They were they just being described as dogs. <laughs> so, um, yeah, something about something. There's a game coming up or something, you said. There is a game coming up. It is the Super Bowl. Uh, I know the season isn't finished. Who'd have thunk it? But we've got to get this one out of the way. The repeat, obviously, of 2019. Mahomes comes back. He's much more experienced. This time it's Purdy coming into his first one. We'll talk about the quarterbacks in a bit, I'm sure. But for you, like, how, how, do, the, how do the Niners beat the Chiefs? What's the game plan? Right. So for the 49ers in offense, the key for them is that Kalaftis and Dana don't set the edge that well. Their run defense is not that strong. The strength of 
the 49ers is clearly running to the left and it's running to the left while pinning a defender inside. So either um, George Kittle or Debo Samuel will try and seal that edge defender off to the inside, not allowing him to make the play and it allows Trent Williams to then meander downfield and, and take second and third level out. And because McCaffrey is so explosive, it's really difficult for defences to adjust to that. That is the key because once the 49ers can establish the run, it opens up their playbook to absolutely everything else. They can do whatever they want. They can play action, etc. What the 49ers can't do is get behind on the scoreboard because they can't drop back and pass. If they do that, they, they unleash one of the best pass rushers in the NFL and, and Chris Jones so whenever they do pass, he needs to be doubled um, on every single play, effectively. But if they do double him, they have to be aware of Drew Tranquil blitzing from linebacker, especially if it's a delayed blitz and they don't notice it. He is incredibly good at rushing the passer. And they also have a really kind of real threat for pressure in the quarterback and Trent McDuffie. So every single time Purdy's coming to the line of scrimmage, he has to identify McDuffie. He has to then try and identify what the coverage is doing and what the likelihood is of McDuffie coming in a blitz. Because if he's not picked up, he's devastating. He he can just completely end a, a drive. So the Niners need to use a lot of pre-snap motion, try and tip off any blitzes that are coming. The um, Spagnolo's defense is, is predicated on Jim Johnson's philosophy of... Pressure, getting into third down, but not worrying about it too much until you get to the end zone. And then you get a whole myriad of hocus pocus to try and stop seven and maybe allowing just three getting on the board. Um, if I'm Shanahan, I'm, I'm scheming to attack either the zone that Willie Gay or Justin Reed are in. Not the best pass defenders. Um, or I'm trying to get them isolated in, in man coverage probably more zone you're going to see out of the, the Chiefs I'm imagining. If I'm taking a deep shot, I'm probably looking to see what kind of lineup I've got against Jalen Watson. And the likelihood is it's going to be backdoor out of play action, probably to Brandon Ayuk, maybe a, a kind of hope and heave. But for the Niners, the, the key is Banks and Bradell in the line. They have to play beyond their ability. They have to hold, hold up in pass pro versus Chris Jones. Um, because if they don't, then Hardy will not have the required amount of time to pass the ball. It'll cause, it'll cause so much disrepair in the, the backfield. And also, kind of, it's maybe not something that's spoken about very much, but it's key is Trent Williams has to keep his head. He's got a history of ridiculous uh, sportsman-like conduct fouls or getting ejected from the game. And you, you've seen it in the, the championship games, the kind of head games that the, the, the teams try to employ. To um, uh, Travis Kelsey did a fantastic job of it. And yeah. I mean, there's not to say that the Chiefs won't be trying to get into Williams. He's hit. He's made his experience. He's a veteran, but he has to. He has to kind of keep a very kind of cool head. And you look at the penalties that the the Ravens gave away in that, and you do. We talked about it. They definitely did get into the head. Do you think the the obviously start, lean on the run game to start? Then do you think that starts to bring up those 
cornerbacks and the safeties because they're going to start to move up to anticipate the run game, not set as deep. And is that the opportunity then for Ayuk to try and find space? Because it feels like the the zonal or man coverage that the Chiefs have been playing has been massively effective. And whilst Mahomes gets the plaudits, rightly so, he's an exceptional talent that I think come the end of his career, it will be a who was better. Was it Brady or was it Mahomes? It's going to be the LeBron... Um, Michael if Jordan you listen, conversation. If you listen to Gordon, it was Lamar Jackson. Always <laughs> wanted. I didn't want to win the Super Bowl. I just wanted to win the MVP. <laughs> well, he got it. He got it. Um, and Gordon uh, was going to join us for this as well. However, he's sick as a dog. He's over in Vegas in his bed, curled up with a hot water bottle. Poor man. Travelled all that distance and feels lousy. He says he's sick. I think he's just been hammering those mimosas far too hard. So... Do, you want, do you want me to give you a euphemism of what hot water bottle is, or do you, do you don't have enough time to edit out <laughs> my usual stuff? We'll leave it floating there in the ether. One for he's, people he's, to Google. To, 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 to put it politely, Gordon is the only member of our team that isn't married, and he's having fun in Vegas. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Indeed. Um... If we look at the Chiefs, though, right, Mahomes will get the plaudits because he's so flashy. He's the best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, like I say, an all-time great. But genuinely, it's a defense that's taken a massive step forward. The most they've conceded this season is 27 points. That was to the Packers, who were finding their groove in early December. Other than that, though, this, this is not a Chiefs team that at any point is going to get blown out. They're just not going to. Uh, and therefore, it becomes more of a... Does it become more of a slugging match then for you? Do you think this is more around which offense can continue to score for the longest? I think um, the emergence of Lejarius Sneed has been key for um, the Chiefs of defense. He's going to be a priority free agent um, for a, a variety of, of teams. And he's really good against the run as well, which you might find that the actual blocking at wide receiver is the biggest factor uh, in whether McCaffrey's going to have success. Um, Mahomes is going to be really interesting because, see, if you want to see what the Chiefs are going to do, look to the first five years of the the, the Eagles under Andy Reid. It's going to be a lot of short, kind of dinking and dunking style offense, high percentage throws, keeping the ball matriculating down the field. We looked to a lot of throws to the backs. Um, are you going to see Kelsey getting in at double figures catches? Possibly. That's going to be what you're going to see. And they're going to, the Chiefs are going to try and dare the 49ers not to make a mistake. Um, but the 49ers defense is, is so good. It's You could end up seeing this being one of the lowest scoring Super Bowl games of all time. And it's because both teams might end up having very long 10, 15 play drives, long um, uh, kind of time of possession for each team, but they might not be able to convert it into seven points every time. A, a game for the kickers. Now, that would be interesting. No, that, I, that, I wouldn't that, fancy our chances that, in that as well with Moody. I think that's one of the flaws on our team at the moment. The Niners wouldn't want that to be where we go. But Butker's got the edge in, in that duel. If it comes down to just how well they've played with the pressure off, pressure on, then it changes every single kicker's mindset. Um, but it it might well come down to who's who's got the best kicker in the day, which is not selling it as like the flashiest show that you you get to watch. But 
I mean, Arsenal won the league title in the nineties, winning every game one nil, and that this might be what the Super Bowl is going to be. But for the teams involved, the wins, the win, and that's it. It doesn't really matter how uh, we get to it. The the question marks obviously still remain over Brock Purdy. This conversation, uh, and this conversation is not going to die off regard of what happens here if he leads the Niners to win the Super Bowl there will be people who remain unconvinced if he doesn't win the Super Bowl if he has a wobble and not a great game that doesn't mean he's suddenly trash I think we've seen enough of him as a player he's exceeding expectations based on where he was taken in the draft but you know parallels to that need to stop being made I think now because of the Brady situation and the fact that he wasn't expected to be this great quarterback and yet he was with the right coach and the right team with the right players around you, you you could be elevated to success. And I think that this, unfortunately, is a conversation that will not go away. While Mahomes will remain talked about as one of the greatest ever, there will be people on both sides will continue to say, Purdy's a, uh, a game manager, works in the system. And then there'll be other people who think he's great and probably over-egg it. Where do you sit on the whole thing? I really sit in um, the position of not really caring because people that argue about it have got far too much time in their hands and they should be doing something like voluntary work, perhaps people helping um, uh, guide dogs for the blind um, or is it blind, blind dogs for the guides? I don't know. Who who looks after the blind dogs? Do, do blind dogs have people supported by charity? Other dogs. Dogs yeah. to look after blind dogs. I don't know if that's how that is tackled. It's just a great point. And what I put down on social media, if someone's ranting on about something, just say to them, you could really be using your time volunteering for something much more useful than this. <laughs> the most important quality you can have out of a quarterback, number one, is is he able to make it onto the field? And some quarterbacks can't. Some quarterbacks for whatever reason, be it f- physiology, be it luck, they get injured, they can't make it onto the field. Oh, was that specifically Andrew Luck there, or just luck in general? I'm, I'm now going to take credit for that pun, <laughs> not meaning it whatsoever. He was like, I, I loved Andrew Luck. So I loved Andrew Luck as well. I, I feel like if we're talking about quarterbacks that we were robbed of, yeah. um, I feel like he's up there. I still think RG3, we were robbed of RG3. He got absolutely abused in that first season and they destroyed him. It would have been interesting to see what kind of career he would have gone on and had. But Andrew Luck for me was tremendous. Lovely, lovely guy, comes across brilliantly. Oh, he's a guest who'd love to get on this podcast at some point. Um, well, the, the second thing that you need is the, the avoidance of ghosts, which is something that Sam Darnold talked about. And if you don't have that accelerated clock in your head, meaning you're getting rid of the ball too early, the third thing you need is the ability to read defense pre and post snap. And that's key because the disguising of teams is so good now in defense. You need be if you're able to put those three things together, you can be a successful quarterback in the NFL without having a four point four yard dash or being able to throw the ball seventy yards and with your eyes closed with your hands behind your back or whatever. If you've got that, which Purdy does then you're a successful quarterback in the NFL. Kirk Cousins is one of the best quarterbacks in the last 20 years, but people won't give him credit because he he doesn't break six tackles on the way to the end zone, but he does everything that you want from that quarterback. So if you've got somebody like Purdy, if he's successful, if you're confident you'll run that scheme for the next 10 years, pay him, keep him, you're, you're happy. 
How much would you be concerned coming into this on the back of the Niners perhaps being a bit lacklustre? You talked about the fact that they can't let the Chiefs get too much of a lead too early on. The last two games that they've played, that's exactly what they've done. Um, does that concern any that it's taken them a wee while to get warmed up? It, it is concerning, but the ball falls as the ball falls in the Super Bowl. Um, you might take one bad bounce and before you know it, you're the Denver Broncos against the Seattle Seahawks. You, All you can do is come into the game prepared and focused and not overexcited. If you do that, then I don't think the Niners can have any regrets. They'll, they'll be well coached. They've, a lot of players have been there before. I don't think that's going to be a problem. They're not going to be overawed. Some things that Mahomes will do, you just cannot you cannot counter for. But if the guys do their jobs that they're meant to do, they'll keep it they'll keep it close. And I think even though I don't think the 49ers are set up to play from behind, they do have the skill to do that. It's just going to be tough against those corners of the Chiefs. They're going to have to work the middle of the field. And it's going to it's going to come down to uh, Kelsey. Is he going to be distracted by his his bird in the booth, shall we say? His impending engagement announcement at full time. I, for one, want to be there to see Paul Whit- Mitchell's reaction when it's announced. <laughs> Sorry, just just on a side note, I'm I'm really Paul's actually really upset about this. I had to um, comfort him with Tiesto pulling out. I know Paul's a big fan of uh, Tiesto. Uh, he pops pops a couple of ecstasy every Friday night, dances away to his his greatest uh, soundtrack, and it, it, it kind of sets him up for a, a Saturday at the football. Uh, Paul Paula has his own decks. He has his decks at home. He likes to mix himself. He's got his own uh, DJ name, M- Mitch Master Mitch. <laughs> oh, he's not even near uh, being mean about him. That's not fair. I have to be mean. I have to be mean about Jamie and Charles as well. Just to... Oh, Mitch Master Mitch, uh, absolutely perfect, beautiful. Um, you talked about coming into this game prepared, right? One of the stories, and listen, the the media coverage and the two weeks before the Super Bowl is both tremendous and at times painful and awful. Like, some of the stories that end up coming out and getting battered around by every single news channel are painful. Two have come up, and there's one that the Niners are their own worst enemy for, and that's the whole underdog stuff that they put out, which I am slamming right now. We talked about it at the top. Any team that does it, it's nonsense. I think uh, we asked this to our Patreons. I think you need to be at least 75 to 1 at some point in the season to even talk about defying the odds. Like, anything other than that, everyone's in the mix. So, put that aside. The the practice field, though, is the other one that's been coming up. Now, the Niners have grumbled and raised that they feel like the the practice field is not up to scratch. Uh, in essence, it's it's a artificial field that was supposed to have a layer and then grass put on top, but they didn't put the layer. They just put the grass on top of the field. It's resulted in it being spongy. But there's an awful lot of chat about, oh, the excuses are coming out early and what have you. I don't think there's been any excuse making. I think the Niners have just raised a concern. But do you think that's the sort of thing that could potentially derail them and put them off a little bit? The sort of thing that just gets in their head, the wee nugget of doubt and feeling that you've been hard done to in some way? Yes. Look at the Super Bowl last year. The Eagles had the most explosive pass-rushing defensive line for the last 40 years in the NFL. And the NFL messed up 
the surface we owe an apology to the 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 venerable old man who was a sword father he kept telling them you've done this completely and utterly wrong you've ruined the field they didn't listen to him and then they threw him under the bus um, it wasn't his fault it was the nfl for completely messing that field up and it, it hampered the eagles in the super bowl there's no doubt about it and if the same thing happens again you're going to start asking questions of why why is it the quarterback that's worth 50 million a season and has his own Netflix special? Why is he getting a better advantage with the field? And of course, he's not. It's not deliberate. Um, I'm sure Mahomes would want everything to be fully fair when the game played. I don't think anybody would accuse him of anything other than that. But it's the way it works with conspiracies and too much time in your hands. Don't have two weeks in between the championship game and the Super Bowl. Just have a week. In fact, play it the next day. Just see. Let's find out how good coaches really are with like five hours prep. (laughs) Um. Like I say, it's narrative, 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 right? We, there's a lot of it, and there's more to come. And I think I've, it's... I've, got, I've got a good question for you, yeah. Cameron. Yes. Yeah. Have we, I mean, obviously, we are one of the highest quality podcasts in the United Kingdom, if not the world, when it comes to the NFL, and seeing the quality of some of the people that are on Radio Row at the moment, have we now transcended going to the Super Bowl? Are we now too good and we have to stay at home because we are past that? I think this might be the outcome that we have to land on. Like, we're not just another one of those podcasts on Radio Row. We don't need to be. We don't need to attend Radio Row to be providing great content and getting the conversation going. Tell you something, if I was in Las Vegas covering the Super Bowl, I wouldn't be lying ill in bed with a hot water bottle, I can tell you that. And and listen, you know, between us, I might ask and inquire about some opportunities of getting to New Orleans next year. I I think you and uh, Mitch Master Mitch on um, Bourbon Street would be something to behold. So a live set. I would have to be called MC Censored. Oh man, we gotta make this happen. A live show between the two. Oh, that's right. I'm committed now. We'll be at Radio Row next year. If if people listen to the and I hope really hope they did the interview with Mike Carlson, some of the stuff he came out with was fantastic. But when he went in New Orleans, they booked him in a hotel about twenty miles away from where everyone else was, and he was on his own. So I think we do that with Paul. We put Paul. <laughs> Somewhere up near Baton Rouge on his own. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I think he'd be delighted. I think he'd be beside himself at that. That would be more than happy. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think like, I, my bet on this, my worries are the same worries all the way through the season. I feel like the, the game four years ago that we lost was because Mahomes could just push it down the field. Fine, they don't have Tyreek Hill anymore, but our secondary is so questionable. And and I worry about Mahomes keeping the defense on the field. Exactly what you're talking about. Those short passes, work it down the field, keep the Niners defense on the on the turf, and they will be tired at the end of the game. I think that it's one that we we if we're chasing this going into the the middle of the third, I think it's done by that point. Um and I think that even going into the fourth with a double-digit lead, we know that's not necessarily going to be enough. So, you know, the question marks about Shanahan, the cautiousness of that game against the Patriots, the cautiousness of the game against the Chiefs with Jimmy Garoppolo, where we couldn't just couldn't get more point, points on the board, that's going to have to fall by the wayside. Um, I think that he's got the experience well, now and he needs to get it over the line. One thing we didn't talk about, this, the difference between Garoppolo and, and Purdy is Purdy can scramble like a 
dog with diarrhea to get those four or five yards and, and furthering furthering medium. Garoppolo, Garoppolo couldn't. Um, mm. And you're in the Super Bowl, the reins are off. He can do a lot more with his feet than he, he would be allowed in the regular season. That might be the kind of hidden part of the game that isn't focused on, that might just be enough. A couple of key plays, keep the chains moving, and it gets you three to six points. Yes. The other one is he just doesn't... He's thrown a lot of passes through the season that could have been intercepted. Uh, and I think that the problem that he's going to have in this game against this secondary is he's not going to get away with it like he maybe did through the season. If they can get the run game going, though, if we can just lean on Christian McCaffrey and get deeper at the backfield, then that's something that could be utilised. Uh, the odd pass here and there, play it safe, keeping them stretched out, create the gaps and make sure that there's opportunities for people to to drive down the field, then that can be done. Um, I, I am a negative fan. I do come into this game negative. The last question I'm going to ask for you, though, is do you think that this is the the last chance for either of these squads as they're currently set up? Or do you think both of these teams can come into it next year absolutely still in the mix to be a contender next time around? I've already said a while ago, I didn't think we'd do it this year. I thought we'd do it next year. I feel like Purdy needs more experience. Um, I feel like there's problems at the secondary. I didn't expect us to get to the Super Bowl this year. It's it's We've fallen and that's where we are. But do you think this is the last chance to lose for either side? It's difficult. It's difficult to have the consistency to repeat. You can't retain the same roster like the the Cowboys did in the early 90s. So you'll never retain that exact same magic. The Chiefs looked like they'd completely fallen off this season, like week five, week six. Everybody thought that was it. They weren't going back. But the level, it comes down to calmness from coaching, not getting overexcited at coaching, knowing you'll go through lulls. Your quarterback being exceptional, especially in pressured situations, which Mahomes clearly is, and a little bit of luck. How many of your key players get injured? The 49ers will retain the bulk of that roster. Hargrave will be back. Purdy will be back. Osa will be back. Maybe the only questions over Trent Williams, will he retire? So there's the opportunity to do that. But there's so many hungry teams in the NFL just snapping at your heels, wait to knock you off that spot. The Eagles found that out this season. So many people picked them to go back. And there was undefined as yet undefinable issues that stopped them doing so. So um that's the that's the glorious thing about the NFL. It's not a, like the Scottish Premier League where it's Rangers or Celtic guaranteed every year. You've got Livingston's got a chance of winning a league. Yeah. Uh, which if that happened in real life, that would be hilarious. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> Martindale um, if he managed to get that tiny budget and win the league in spite of it oh man now that's an underdog story that's an underdog story there if you're ever looking for one um, Grant yeah, I, okay. actually, I actually spoke to Ali Graham yesterday this is totally off kilter but I spoke to I was speaking to Ali Graham yesterday who won the league cup for Rafe Rovers when they were a first division side and they beat Celtic so I mean it can happen just <laughs> you don't really get underdogs in the NFL as bad as no. <laughs> no definitely not and that's why we love it that's why we love it fine okay well listen there you go the last thing I'm going to ask you who's actually going to win the game Ian hold on a second <laughs> there you go just <laughs> people are people expect that at home just a random Paul kind of nasal outburst there you go um, <laughs> what can people expect when watching the game at home um, I can expect a lot of them to complain about uh, ITV running UK commentary again. 
Um, but there will be no complaints about the level of subtitling for people who need to use subtitles. Any complaints, direct them straight to me, and uh, I'll come around your house and discuss it. Um, you'll expect to see... Um, I think you're going to expect to see an underwhelming halftime performance. I don't think Usher's going to be one of the great ones. Uh, I think you're going to see 25 shots of Taylor Swift in the stands. Um, you're going to see a missed extra point as being the difference in this Super Bowl. Ooh, single point. Oofed. And who who's winning it? I genuinely do not know. And, I'm and I will. I'm not, not putting. Push. I'm not. I'm. Sometimes I occasionally have a gentlemanly wager when I visit my gentleman members club, um, and uh, uh, I actually won one of the uh, provinces in Kenya uh, from an elderly gentleman with a Super Bowl bet back in was it 1998. Um, turns out it was a big kind of tax issue, and I had to give it up. But I would not wager the Super Bowl is that tight. If you listen to Mike and Mike knows his stuff, he's talking about under overs as being what you need to look at in, in the Super Bowl. So, um, plus, Will Kelsey or Kittle set a record for most catches in the Super Bowl, possibly. What is the record? It must be recent. Good question. Will Kelsey uh... have more catches? then we get to see shots of Taylor Swift. There you go. That's the question <laughs> to ask our uh, listeners, Cameron. Let's get a poll going. Yeah, let's get a poll going. <laughs> so um, I'm trying to see the most catches in a Super Bowl. Uh, Jay Novacek in 1993 with seven. Travis Kelsey in 2023 with six. That Dallas, sounds, that Dallas Goddard had low. six last year as well. That really sounds low for a... Yeah, Kelsey's going to... Kelsey or Kittle are breaking it this season, guaranteed. There you go. Uh, that does seem low. It does seem low. But fine. Right, well, there you have it. I, I've unsurprisingly going to uh, say that I think the Chiefs are going to win, so that means out of the four of us, we've got three for the Chiefs uh, and one undeclared. So we move on from that. But there you go. Right, that's the full-time well, whistle. There's, uh, there's one other, there's one other point, actually. There's a, a parallel to uh, the 1993 Super Bowl and uh, one of our esteemed uh, members is going through the exact same scenario. Uh, you remember that um, it was the Bills, Cowboys, and in their very first Super Bowl they've attended, both uh, Gordon and Furman Thomas are having issues with their helmet. <laughs> On that note, it's the full-time whistle for this episode of Shavash. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this and all of our Super Bowl preview content. We'll be, got the, we'll be back again very soon to wind up and discuss exactly how it all goes down. I may or may not be in attendance. It depends on how I feel. I don't know if I could put up with Charles Patterson's smug face. That remains to be determined, as does the result of the Super Bowl. But until next time, bye for now. <laughs>